Hello everyone and welcome back to Going Purple with me, Lizzie McIntosh, where we talk about serious F1 stuff in a not so serious way. Hello everybody and welcome back to Going Purple with me, Lizzie McIntosh. You guessed it, it's me again. And this time I have got an incredibly special guest for you all. She's sitting on my right. We are dressed the same today. Um, so great minds think alike. I actually think we may have spent too much time together in the last few months that we have just we have just become the same person. It is, of course, the incredible current motorsport content creator, but previous political, business, technological whiz. It is the legend, Tony Cohen Brown. How are you, Tony? Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Really? I'm so in <laughs> London, in the sound... studio, on the podcast. You shouldn't sound surprised. All of those. Oh. I'm so excited to be in London. I'm so excited to be in your world and in your oh. little element here, um, <laughs> which I love. I love see. I love seeing smart women do their thing. And Thanks, so babe. I'm. I'm excited to be here. Well, I mean. Speaking of spending time together and being in London, yeah. you have had an, a crazy few weeks. You are, are actually here for the Aston Martin yes. launch, but we were in New York together a couple of weeks ago for the Red Bull launch. Yeah. We were in Mexico together for Formula E. You've been in LA. How has your last few months been? How's the, I mean, the winter break's been busy, hasn't it? It hasn't felt like a break, that's no, for sure. Um, it's also interesting to just see what pops up and what content comes up and mm. what pieces get written in a time where there's nothing to write about cars on track. Yeah. I always find that interesting. I love it because my content is very rarely tied to exactly what happened on a race weekend. Yeah. So I, it's my it's my comfort zone. But it's but when you were just laying all of that out, I was like, wow, that all of that just happened this year. That's crazy. Do you find now we are two weeks out from the first race? Yeah. <laughs> I find <laughs> really scraping the barrel here. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> really churning out that last bit of content. <laughs> Um, what else do I have? Yeah, how are you finding it? Are you excited for the season to get oh, kicking yeah. off again? I mean, there's always things to talk about in Formula yeah. 1. Season, on or off. Yeah. But I actually think with, with athletes, you know, they're still training behind the scenes yeah. with the drivers. They're still very much working. But they kind of take a, a, a bigger step back, I would say, than creators who are... We have this kind of always-on approach, yeah. I would say. That's actually really interesting, yeah. It, um, Lewis was just saying that today in his... Um, in the obviously we had the the Mercedes reveal and car launch or whatever we want to call it livery mm. launch car launch mm. um, shakedown um, and it was interesting he was saying and I think this is true like at the start of the break you're going oh god this this break is going so fast mm -hmm. or it's not long enough and then by the end of it you're just like come on let's get going let's yeah get going. and I'm definitely getting that sentiment right like now it's like let's go let's, let's go racing yeah, let's go racing so I also think we just hype it up so much and to your point the season there's been no downtime I feel like we've been talking about politics and the FIA and mm. Formula One and new teams and old teams and new sponsors, all, like all of that. There's just been so much. That I think everyone right now is like, yeah, yeah that's great. Can mm -hmm. we see the cars on track now? Can I we know. go racing? Especially, I will say, I, I, uh, the main theme of these livery launches is black is black is. And I saw a really funny meme. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember who posted it, but it was like girlfriend upset by weight saving roses, and there's a bunch of black roses. <laughs> Everyone's using black, yeah. which makes total which makes sense, sense. You know, carbon fiber. Which is, it's funny you say that because when we were at Formula E together, yeah. and I ended up with the Neon McLaren team in their garage, mm -hmm. and they were talking to me about how they've got this obviously the very bright orange mm. um, papaya color, but mm -hmm. the, the Formula E one is much brighter and much more like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like ne neon, very neon color. And we were talking and they were saying, yeah, it's really heavy as paint. And I was yeah. like, oh, I know. My nail artist says the same well, thing about my nail polish, that it's actually really heavy nail polish. And they're like, <laughs> That has to be <laughs> the weirdest <laughs> crossover we've ever had. But that's the, but that's it's true, the like, beauty. That coloured paint is actually really heavy. Yeah, I mean, I actually really need to ask you, why, why have we had orange nails for like five years five now? Years. Is it always been orange? I for the most know, part? Yeah, I, I think like once or twice every three, four months, I go, okay, come You're on, like, let's I'm going to really branch yeah, out. Like, like, I'm going to really try something different <laughs> and I'll go with like an insane like green or something like that. Um, they just bring me deep joy. It's really yeah. weird. They I, sum you up. It's just this bright ray it's of It's funny. Sunshine. It's just, it's, I smile. And, and on a, there's a whole story of how like, they, I had this done once. I walked out of there and going, what did I do? This is not what I thought. Because really? I thought in the pot, it was much darker. Yeah. Um, but then I fell in love with it so much that I had to like do some deep, 
research to find what color they'd put on my nails mm -hmm. because I'd done this in a city where I don't norm normally travel, mm -hmm. at a place I'd never been at. And so I just went down the, like an internet deep rabbit hole. Well, I actually think, and it ties into a point I want to talk to you about branding, which yeah. we'll talk about later on. But okay. first off, just rounding out on livery launches, yeah. which has been your favorite so far? We've got one to go tomorrow. Yeah, you've got one to go tomorrow. What I've actually found really interesting is how much the teams seem to really want to be innovative and they're trying to find something new and different. Innovative, <laughs> not innovative. <laughs> no, I, it just makes me think. This is what happens when you're bilingual. You, so you come up with no, words exactly. that make no sense. Exactly. Um, they're really trying to push the innovation. Yeah. Um, they're really trying to get creative. Mm. And they're trying you in different things, which I like. Mm. And look, not everything's going to be a hit. There's yeah. going to be some misses. Um, I, look, the Red Bull one had a lot of controversy. A mm. lot of people had a lot to say about it. I genuinely really loved them bringing on the four different athletes that we had and listening to Eileen talk. Yeah, and like That I really liked. Mm. I think it brought something different and new, but I also think it's something that Red Bull is uniquely positioned to do. Yeah. I thought it was interesting what Ferrari did yesterday of having the fans and doing a proper shakedown. But it's, yeah, it's, I thought that was clever. Um, I think, quite frankly, I think Mercedes are the ones that have probably nailed it so far. They really? Gave, yeah, I really, I love the setup. The car looks great. Mm -hmm. They focused on the car. They spoke with the people that everyone wants to hear about, which is your team principal, which is the people who've been building the car. Yeah. And I, as always, I really love what Aston do, which is what I liked with them is they didn't try and be everything to everyone. And so I think separating yeah. out the two events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was fun. Like you were at one, I was at yeah. the other. I think you look at the stakeholders that they were trying to cater to. Mm -hmm. I think that was genius. Which is your favorite livery so far? Mercedes. Interesting. Yeah. I love the bright yellow um, Lewis number. Yeah, and, yeah, the, yeah. and I love that George has now bright green. I uh, love the fact that they're able to just sw move between this black and the silver yeah. so seamlessly yeah. and everyone loves it. I love and it. And I always say, if someone else tried to make a red car, it wouldn't work, right? Because that's yeah. Ferrari's color. But it's like Mercedes, not owns these two colors, but in yeah, a way, you know. They all kind of own a very sort specific... Of. Um, color palette. A lot of them do use blue, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, well, Mr. Pink, though, I will say that. I've oh, heard, me too. Yeah, I've had a couple of people say, I never thought I'd say this, but I kind of miss the pink. And I'm just like, yeah. Well, that's do. the thing about Formula E as well. The liveries, I would say, are some of the most aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. They look striking out on track and they're just different. And I think it, one yeah. thing I didn't realize about Formula E is they have this asymmetric car in the Jaguars as well. So they kind of make a pattern together. That is genius yeah, to me. And smart. I feel like that doesn't maybe necessarily translate into F1 as much. Um, the FE car feels much flatter in that you can actually play around spacious. and see it. Yeah, <laughs> they look like, they look like honestly like paper airplanes that yeah. you create and you're just yeah. like, that's what you get. Well, talking about um, being at different launches yeah. and being at Red Bull and, you know, there have been many creators at these events, which I think is starting the year off on a, yeah. on a high. I think, you know, having looked at your career and I would love to hear about where you started your TikTok and, and how you started in this world, but you know, it's changed. I feel a difference this year. And I would love to know from your point of view, you know, having both of us been in it from the start of last yeah. year, who do you think's getting it right? And who do you think's getting it wrong? And what do you think we can learn from last year in terms of, you know, the way the sport mm. as a whole yeah. is interacting with creators? I'll start with the last question, I think. I think what you can learn from, from last year, I think one, it's no longer, there's always transitions like this when mm. I remember, what was it, 15, 20 years ago, we were talking about, well, maybe we need to take digital seriously. Maybe we need to focus more money on digital. Mm -hmm. Now it's not even a question. Yeah. We don't even mention the word digital. It's just like so advertising right. is advertising, marketing is marketing, yeah. comms is comms. It's no longer digital comms or traditional media. Even media today, it's we very rarely hear people talk about traditional media yeah. because it's all sort of merged together. And I think we're seeing the same thing with the, the creator space of it's no longer a question whether creators or even influencers and we can talk about like the difference in those definitions but that they're relevant mm -hmm. and that they have something to say and they have something to bring and mm -hmm. they're helping change the game and they're helping him bring in new fans I think that has last year I think that sealed the deal mm -hmm. it was one of the only predictions I never make predictions because they are abysmally wrong every single time <laughs> and it is mortifying <laughs> so I've kept my predictions but one of the predictions I did say is we are definitely going to see more teams embracing content creators and we're going to also see I think traditional media embrace content creators which I think interesting. is interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so that's the first thing that I think is it's no longer a question of if and when. It's a question, it's no longer a question of if, it's a question of when mm -hmm. and how. Mm -hmm. um, 
I do think that the teams that are going to be successful are the teams that actually have a very clear reasoning about why they want to work with a certain creator. Mm -hmm. They've done the research and they've figured out that it's on brand. They've 100%. figured out that there's a messaging. They've figured out that there's equal values and they stand for the same things. And they want to try and build something together versus what I would say is more the influencer approach is let's take 10 creators, put them in, and hopefully that gets the number. And I think there's a, there's a mistake that we always do of more people means 10x more viewership mm -hmm. or 10x more revenue. That's just not true. It's Completely not because you add 10 more creators that you're going to get 10x the volume. Yeah. Um, well, in theory, you're pushing to 10x audiences. My, I think the issue is, and this is one of my questions, yeah. is creator versus influencer, is... Is it better to have 10 people who are going to take a picture, they were there, that is literally the only thing I will never do. Yeah. And I, I, I really dislike the idea of ever having to do is just be there to take a picture. Richard. That is just not on the cards for me. Yeah. It's just, I think the most important thing in being a content creator is authenticity. Yeah. And if you're if you can truly believe in why you're at an event, why you're at a car launch, why, why you're at a race, and, and truly what your purpose is, that makes your content authentic, yeah. right? And that's the only thing I, I personally want to stick to. I don't know about you. No, I think the authenticity piece is key. I also think the, the authenticity piece is really difficult because mm. think back. I remember when we used to, in marketing, you used to have models on billboards, mm -hmm. modeling, I'm going to use Calvin Klein, yeah. modeling Calvin Klein. And you'd go, oh, that looks good. I kind of maybe want that. That's the mm -hmm. power of branding and advertising. Then they started going, well, actually, wouldn't it be more useful for us to have a David Beckham? Yeah. So we meant from, okay, forget the models that no one really knows of. And I think this was just after the era of the, the actual supermodel era mm -hmm, where they mm -hmm. were celebrities in mm -hmm. themselves. And then the brand started working with footballers and other athletes some Justin Bieber, you name it. Mm. And so they, they brought in celebrities. And then after celebrities, we started going, well, you know what? Actually, let's bring in an Addison Ray or yeah, insert yeah, yeah. any other influencer. And now it's moving to, wait, hold on a minute. So I just think creator is yet another, it's another like reiteration mm -hmm. of someone who has influence, power, yeah. wants to create something in the world. And the other thing that I'm realizing that's really interesting is even all of the athletes today have to become creators. George uh, yeah, Russell, Lewis thing. Hamilton are full-time Some of them creator. are forced by me. <laughs> are becoming full-time creators. Full-time TikTok stars. Full-time TikTok stars. <laughs> this year's out there making TikTok stars out of the grid. I love it. But look, there is, an, there is, there is a negative connotation that's attached to influencers. For me, the ma massive difference is I don't, I'm not here to change people's perception or minds on things. Okay. That's not, I don't go on the internet. I don't do what I do to try and convince someone to either buy something or mm -hmm. convince someone yeah. to believe yeah. in something or convince someone that I am right. And you're what well, I'm not there. I'm there to like share a perspective on something. Mm -hmm. And that's the only thing that I care about. Yeah. I, that's the reason for me creating content is I love learning out in the open and I love making Well, I don't love, but I don't mind making mistakes out in the open as long as I learn from them. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's more interesting, but I'm never out there trying to convince or push someone to buy something. And yeah. I think that for me is the definition of a creator is someone who wants to show to the world something that they are doing. But What's the weirdest thing that you've discovered in like the last year of doing this journey? Weirdest <sighs> or like strangers or the thing they're like, I can't believe this is a question that I'm asking myself or that I'm working on. I think for me, it was when I was really starting to work on contracts with like, you know, these these huge corporations yeah. and I was thinking well that doesn't I don't think that sounds right but I don't know yeah. do you know what I mean you've got gut feeling I've just asked that yeah. word is, that word is iffy to me <laughs> do you know what I mean uh -huh. and I'm thinking I'm this 22 year old woman I was thinking what am I actually doing <laughs> there have been a few moments yeah. like that I think and, and just and the amount of people who've been taken this is why I also love transparency and mm. honesty and talk to me about how much you're making and talk to me about mm. the brand deals and talk to me about the brands mm. that you've loved working with and why not I will never forget what was it again 21 uh, 15 or so years ago I had um, a lifestyle blog I was paying for great stuff when I went through uni mm. I it was right at the start also of people actually creating websites and blogs um, it wasn't very big but it was doing pretty well and I went to an event um, and sorry River Island but um, went oh, to yes. an event at River yes. Island um, and thought nothing of it it was a great party they had lots of lifestyle bloggers and influencers yeah. And um, 
there wasn't really Instagram at the time doing what it's doing now and definitely mm -hmm. wasn't TikTok. And a couple of weeks later, one of my readers sent me a, te uh, a message, I think it was on Facebook or on my website, I can't remember, saying, oh my God, congrats, I saw your billboard on Times Square. <laughs> like, what, what was your first reaction? What the fuck? <laughs> 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 because I didn't even associate it to River Island at the time. I, I just see. thought, what do you mean my billboard? I, I was like, uh, I my generally billboard. thought, who the hell has run a prank on me? That's a very expensive <laughs> prank. And I put, shoved my face you on Times Square. That, you know, you, you can definitely, oh yeah, you can get, Times, Times Square, I can tell you, it's not 30 quid. Oh, really? Oh, no, it's, oh. Uh, billboards can go up to like 50,000 a day. Like, no, oh, yeah. I was thinking maybe you're going purple on there. Oh, you should. Let's do it. Let's find a sponsor and get it up there um, it's a great thing but I had not done and so River Island had taken a picture that they had taken from me at the event okay. and slapped it on the billboard and used it to promote River Island I was not wearing River Island clothing <laughs> I was wearing vintage and I think H&M clothing so not I was looking at this going not only did I not consent to this not only was I not paid but for this but you're promoting that it's, isn't yours that isn't yeah very and, interesting. Yeah. And so that was back, way, way back in the days where all of this was a gray zone. Yeah. And I think the thing that, I, that always runs true to me is who's getting paid and who isn't. Mm -hmm. River Island is making a profit mm -hmm. because they've got beautiful imagery. Myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> they've got good imagery on, the, you know, on their flagship stores. Um, the, the people who are going to go into the shop are, are going to go into the shops are going to be excited by what they see, whatever it is. Mm. And I was like, so the brand is making money, the sponsors are making money. The only person here not making money is me. You. And when it, when you do go through that and you go, mm -mm, and the exposure piece is mm -hmm. such a hard conversation because you need to decide what kind of exposure you're comfortable yeah. with and what kind of exposure you're not comfortable yeah. with um, and what exposure actually brings you something that then can oh, drive 100%. revenue. That's 100%. the thing for me. If someone says, oh, this is good exposure, you're like, okay, well, walk me through, forget the exposure, but how that exposure can get me an next brand deal. Or well, it's like Rihanna at the Super Bowl. Yeah, not getting perfect, paid for it. Perfect, and that, yeah, you know, example. It sums it up so well, her using her Fenty products. Yeah. It's her, She gained 1.5 million followers but, the okay, next day. I have a real question. Who wasn't following Rihanna before the Super Bowl? Who's discovering Rihanna from the Super Bowl? <laughs> and it might not be discovering it, it might be, Oh, I didn't oh, yeah, she, she was. I don't know. Or I didn't think she was relevant anymore. And we talk about relevancy uh, all the time. Yes. But the Super Bowl will do that to someone. Of yeah. I think it did the same for Justin Timberlake. Like, yeah. oh, he's still around. Oh, I guess if he's on the Super Bowl, he yeah, must yeah. still be relevant. I think last year when they brought up Eminem and they bought up all the Fifty Cent and all that created a massive amount of relevancy mm -hmm. for these people who probably hadn't put out music. I don't think Eminem had put out an album in a long time. So there's the relevancy component. I think that was really interesting. Oh, but again, Rihanna free. Free exposure for her, didn't get paid to do it, mm -hmm. but the amount of revenue that she's making as a result of that mm -hmm. from the products that she is moving, the Fenty products, yeah. is huge. Equally, I disagree with the fact that, you know, artists aren't paid the by backup, the Super Bowl. That, yeah, that, that was Purely a big, because, yeah. I, you know, I do believe in, obviously, people yeah. being paid fairly yeah. for their time, their labor, their work, etc., their talent, their yeah. creativity, their ideas. And I do find that strange, but you're right. There are, you know, she's played it incredibly well. And I believe that the dancers are now paid minimum of $15 an hour, I believe. Yeah, which is a whole other conversation, baby steps. Okay. But they did win the case, I think, last year okay. to get all of the backup singers and dancers actually paid. But it brings up a really interesting question about Formula One. Mm. The amount of volunteers that Formula One has yes, you're very is right. insane. And yeah. there's a big argument of, well, we want volunteers because we want fans and we're bringing some of these fans close and some of these fans will never be able to watch. And I'm also like, but do you want your medical volunteer yeah, to be yeah, a Formula yeah. One fan actually enjoying the race or yeah. do you want them to be paid for the exceptional skill set yeah. and the job that they have? No, and again, agree. to your point, with something like Formula One or the Super Bowl, you have the budgets to pay people. So why are we not doing it? And look, there's loads of pros and loads of cons and I can argue both sides of why you should have volunteers. Why should I'm leaning more and more towards that. I actually don't believe that you should have volunteers. In then, Formula One. Uh, I, in Formula One. Mm -hmm. I think these people should be paid. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's big conversation. You hear IndyCar drivers say, that um, when there's an issue on track, um, the marshals and the volunteers arrive much faster than they do in Formula One. And is that to do because, yeah, it's more paid people versus less volunteers. There's something there that's interesting. And there's a difference also between marshals and volunteers. Not everyone is unpaid, mm -hmm. but they do, you know, they do rely on 300, 400, sometimes more volunteers to make yeah. the show be what it is. I mean, there are so many people that make this sport run and make it yeah. what it is. Which we never get to see. Which we never get to see. And I think even, yeah, you know, from a creator point of view as well, teams are really starting to lean into yep. into working with us. And I think 
you know, one of, you asked me what's kind of been the, one of the biggest yeah. moments for me. I think having conversations with teams and going, this is the vision yeah. and really being able to spearhead those conversations creatively. Because, you know, the, a lot of them say, we want to work with you. We just, we don't really know what we want to do. Yeah. Shoot me your ideas. Yeah. And I think being afforded that creative license exactly. in a way yeah. has been game changing for me, you know. And um, you're bringing so much more value than, you know, just a presenter or a yeah. mouthpiece. And I say just not because I belittle that. Like, mm. don't get me wrong. People who present, are, I don't know how mm. they do it on a day to day basis. Mm. Um, but you're bringing something fundamentally different. Mm. You're bringing your knowledge, your understanding of the space, your and audience. it's such a niche understanding. I mean, this sport is, it works in such a way that mm. I have never seen before. You know, it's so tight knit. And actually, I'd love to ask you, you know, you have worked in politics yeah. and tech. Two questions, really. How different have these industries been from your personal experience? And secondly, having such incredible careers prior to your work in F1, you know, I'm talking about figuring it all out. I'm assuming you've had to do the same in the last year, but how much has your business background helped you? Um, I've always been, I've always been a big believer in personal branding. Again, mm. loads of pros and cons mm. towards both of that, but it's always what got me my jobs. So even though I studied politics for seven years and I did a master's degree in this space and very nerdy and loved all of that stuff, mm. if I could keep studying, that's the one thing I would do. Mm. That obviously doesn't pay the bills. Um, <laughs> but it was every, every single job I got, bar the absolute first job um, working in the commission, every job I got, they were just like, talk to me about that thing you're doing on the side. Talk to mm. me about the website you've built. Talk to me about the community you've mm. built over there. And so for me, that was my personal branding. The, the, one of the first biggest presentations I ever did or public speaking was actually Google inviting me to talk about branding online mm -hmm. at a time where that was not really a thing. Mm -hmm. um, and again, it was interesting. I was like, do you care that I've studied for seven yeah. years and I have a master? And they're like, yeah, that's great. But what we want to do is you're doing something very different that makes you stand out from your CV. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's been interesting for me to see and I've kept that going. And so that's where the business savviness comes from of what does it mean to build a brand online? Mm. And that has, you know, again, that conversation sounds so basic today, yeah. but 15 years ago, it really, wa it really wasn't. Um, so how, I don't know, all of these spaces are so niche and so different in so many ways. The, there is a lot of through lines, which yeah. is you always believe that all the knowledge you can get is within that space mm -hmm. or at that table, which I believe is fundamentally wrong. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that I love. I love taking what I learned in politics and I brought it into tech and I everything I learned in tech and the politics. Way you bring it into Formula One. And I bring it into Formula Cool. Thank you. It's very cool. You're a very cool lady. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm um, um, No, I agree. And I think. But it's also the only way I could stand out. I can't compete with people who've been in motorsports for 20, 30 years. I'm not. I If I come but that's at that. Because no one of your of what you're doing has been there for 20 years. But that's years. what, and that, but that, I don't want, and I think this is what I say to all of the creators that say, well, it's already saturated. There's mm. already so many people doing this. There's no one that's you doing this. Mm. You have such unique lens, whether that's your background, mm -hmm. or whether that's the languages you speak, whether that's where you were brought up, the mm -hmm. country you currently live in, what you study, the works you, like no one can have that mix. Like no one can replicate what you've actually done. And so I think for me, there's something there about, cool, what are the things, the lessons I can learn in each industry and then pulling that mm -hmm. in, into Formula One. Mm -hmm. um, but the one thing that they all have in common is you all think, the people in tech think, okay, the best minds in tech are in tech. That's not true. The best, And this is why I, I love- I am the best mind in tech. <laughs> <laughs> it is me. Surprise. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> but there's something there I think that's fun. I like it when, you know, the teams hire a team principal that doesn't have 20 years of experience in motorsports and can come mm. out. The, this is what I loved about the Aston Martin team. Mm. The, the people that you and I were talking with mm didn't have a background in motorsports, hadn't worked in Formula. So they were coming at it. I think that's why they were the, the first to adopt content creators yeah. because they weren't they weren't looking at it, well, what's already been done mm -hmm. or what's anyone else doing in our industry? They were looking at us outside. Yeah, and um, that's the way to do it. And that's the way to do um, it. To, I, mean, I mean, to your point about communities earlier on and also bringing up Aston Martin now, you know, I would say one of the things that you've been very successful in doing is building a community. Yeah. And I think, you know, when did you start creating F1 TikToks? Um, 2020, 20, end of 2020. Wow, yeah. okay, so you were about a year before myself. And even when yeah. I joined on F1 TikTok, there was no one, Tony. No. I could report on something two weeks late. I'd probably still be one yeah. of the first people to yeah. talk about it. The way it has changed is crazy. But I think the longevity of what we've built is communities. And to yeah. me, that is genuinely, I say it so much, yeah. but it's invaluable to me. Yeah. The fact that I meet people now and they're like, I've been following you from the start. I truly feel like I'm part of something. Yeah. That is 
unmatched for me. And I think that is why creators need more, um, you know, kudos in a way. Yeah. You know, Drive to Survive is credited on every yeah. talk show, every interview as being the way that fans are brought into the sport. And, and yeah. you know, it's, it is completely true. You know, so many, especially young fans, it's incredible to have them, but it comes out once a year. Who are the people creating yeah. content every day and creating communities and engaging and understanding and catering yeah. to that that very young demographic? I think it's creators. And, and also, you know, I'd love to know whilst we're, I, I feel we're able to do that. And I'm very, very, that's one of my proudest achievements is being able to have said that I can do that. Yeah. But how can the sport become more genuinely more inclusive to young fans? I think Formula E bringing up yeah. again is, it, it is so catering to the fans, yeah. everything, they're listening constantly. Do you think Formula One needs to be more like that? Or do you think it thrives on being slightly more exclusive? And what do you think the sport can do in that area? So, so much to add to that. Um, I love it. Um, yeah, I just spoke. No, I love it. Um, it gives me so much Wait, to think about. Wait, can I drop this mic? <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first thing that I would say that you, that I think Formula E has like just perfectly done and executed is they built out a programming. There was a reason why each content creator was there and each mm. of us had a very different program. Informally. They, informally, they yeah. took the time to build that out. There's a reason why uh -huh. you are there and they know what they want to do with you and you can bring your ideas to the table, but there's a programming attached to that, yeah, yeah. which I think very few have done. I do agree with you. Here's the other thing. Formula E has been around for 10 years, which is already insane, mm. but it doesn't have the 70 year legacy that Formula One has, which is both a pro and a con. Mm. What's interesting, which I find a parallel in tech is there is something that's called the in tech, they call it the legacy tech stack, which is when you're trying to build something new and you're pulling in all of this old technology and you're trying to make it work. You see it often in like big productions mm -hmm. of just like, wait, you're still using that. Whereas, you know, here we can make, you, you, we're in a studio, we've got two mics, that's all we need to make this run. One if, <laughs> the things that go behind the scenes I'm we're done. losing Lizzie <laughs> um, there's, something there's something interesting and important for me here which is it's going to be really hard for Formula 1 to change and make any difference in the way they've done things because yeah. they have 70 years behind them of doing things in a certain way the other piece is let's be realistic the people calling the shots in Formula E are young Yes, they are yes. more closely look resemble you and I mm -hmm. than anyone mm -hmm. at Formula One right now. And that is the big problem, is that anyone that's at the tables making the decisions, whether it's about merchandise, whether it's about events, yeah. they all look the same, yeah. which means that the end product ends up being the same, which means that people like you and I or other people just will not see themselves in the end product, mm -hmm. which is a problem, which is where content creators come in. Because content mm -hmm. creators, in my personal opinion, I created content out of necessity because I wasn't seeing something that I wanted to read or me watch. Too. And I wasn't seeing people that looked like me. And I thought, you know what? I think I can add value here and I can put something out there that I would actually want to consume. I agree. It was never a business decision for no. me. It was, why is no one doing this? It's by why necessity. is no one talking about this in a fun way? And by the way, this is true in every industry. Mm. You realize that most of us who don't look like the status quo, mm. we do something by necessity. Mm -hmm. We build a product by necessity. Mm -hmm. You see all these great stories of, what was it? There was a, there's um there's an Afro brand of caps that where the caps is extendable at the back and doesn't shut completely. They're like, we love baseball caps. Uh, I but see, I have a hat, an Afro. I, I can't wear a baseball cap. Yep. Baseball caps were never designed with my hairstyle mm -hmm. in mind. And so out of that blossom. But what was interesting is the people. And you see this in the beauty industry as well, when we talked about foundations mm. and the fact that we would only have like 20 different shades of yep. white and then yep. there were two shades of dark colors, brown, yep. black, and you look at it and go, and every person who's a person of color or a black woman will look at this and go, there are 20 Where different shades of black, yeah. what are you talking? Yeah. And again, when you look at who owns the beauty industry, it's white middle-aged men. Yeah. And so they lost track of who was actually buying their product mm -hmm. and they didn't think it was needed until, and Fent, we're talking about Rihanna and Fenty, that's why her thing blew up is, she was the demographic. She was the consumer. She was the consumer. Yeah. She knew exactly what was missing and what was needed. Mm -hmm. And I think if you understand that, then highlighting the diverse content creators, for me, shines a light on, look at all of the different audience segments that yeah. are actually engaging in the sport right now. Yeah. Well, okay, then question for you. Yeah. Do you think Formula E was a necessity? And having just told me everything, because I think all your points are extremely valid about Formula E. Well and you know the people watching it seeing themselves being reflected 
why, in your opinion, are there not as many eyeballs on Formula E in terms of oh, view it, hard viewing question. stats compared to Formula One? I honestly don't know. I don't think I have an answer to that. And it's something, God, when we started our partnership with Formula E, the thing that kept keeping me up at wake at night that I kept thinking about mm. is like, how do you make this sexy? How do you make this cool? Mm. And I don't mean sexy in, you know, beautiful. I mean like in like a thing that mm -hmm. you want to wrap your arms around and go, that's cool. I mm -hmm. want to be, I want that relevancy. I want that association. I want that brand association. That's cool. Mm -hmm. And it really is. The more I dug into it, the more I noticed that you talked about the cars. I was like, the cars look epic. The garages are incredible. The, 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 the actual on-track battles are pretty cool. Mm. I think there's two issues is, who do you target? Do you target the, do you target the die hard motorsport fans that are maybe petrol heads and yeah. again i'm doing a massive generalization there's so many different types of motorsport fans but do you do you do you target them and they'll look at that and go i don't this is not for me where's mm -hmm. the engine where's the loud noise but yeah but that's so people that's the first thing people well, they don't sound like f1 yeah. cars well, but they're yeah, not supposed to no no shit sherlock yeah <laughs> like, no they're not supposed different to. series <laughs> the other thing that's interesting is like well then do you go and target the tech demographic who like they live in tech but then how do you make it how do you make the on the biggest thing I think is where do you watch this? This is the thing I keep hearing time yeah, and time again is yeah, I don't have access to it. And that is the thing that F1 has figured out very well. Mm -hmm. Now with F1 TV, ESPN in America, they've mm -hmm. got all of these contracts and broadcaster deals in place, which means that it's very pretty easy. It's not perfect, but it's pretty easy to access mm -hmm. um, and to watch a Formula One race, which I don't think it, it was the same, same big problem with W Series as well. I mean, uh, it's hard to watch F1 though. It, it's, it's Sky Sports in the UK. It is expensive as well. You need to, don't you need to have a part? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not, it used to be on BBC years and years mm. and years ago. Um, I mean, I love But if you think sports, watching F1 is hard, watching Formula E yeah. is, is really, yeah. what I find really yeah. interesting is um, Alejandro Agag, who's the CEO of Formula E, mentioned that he has the ownership of the brand Formula E, Formula Electric which I think is really interesting. Mm -hmm. He owns that. So Formula One can't at one point decide, hey, to wait, to becoming electric. Until 2039, right? Um, no, the... I think, yeah, I don't know what the date is, but I think he has a really long time okay. frame of okay. when he owns that naming. Very, very smart. Because the big conversation that people have around Formula One is, okay, right now, the reason why we have so many ma manufacturers in Formula One, mm -hmm. there's the prestige, there's all of the marketing, but it's also, it's interesting to pour all of those resources and have that R&D and innovation yep. in that space so yep. that it can spill over into the road cars. Well, what happens when all of our road cars yeah. are electric and don't have an IC, don't have an internal combustion engine, mm -hmm. don't need a power unit, then what's the point? And I have this world in which I envisage that Formula One's going to become like this vintage classic car race where we go, oh, that's so cute and quaint. And remember the time when we had... Oh, really? I, I generally have that because I don't know, they're not going to go electric because Formula E owns that. Well, they can go 99% electric. I, but then what's the... I, then I think they might lose out on manufacturers who will be like... Because that's the whole... This, that's the, also the reason why we have manufacturers in Formula E. They yeah. go there to learn about what does yeah, it yeah, look yeah, like. Yeah. And then they leave. That's one of the reasons Mercedes left. They said, we learned everything we needed to learn in nine years. Whether that's true or not, I, who knows? But that's how they put it. But that's my vision. I think like, where the where is Formula One in ten years, mm -hmm. for twenty years? The other thing is, I do think to answer your point about the quirkiness of Formula One is its history. I love it. It's also the paradox of Formula One that it's deeply rooted in history. It's mm -hmm. got it's been around for seventy years. It's the pinnacle of motorsports. It's where all of the insane research and development yep. happens, and yet it's still very archaic in its mindset and thinking and how it adopts things and doesn't adopt or ignore fans mm -hmm. or you know ignore content creators. So there's something there for me of just like I it's fascinating because Formula E is very relevant to me yeah. and Formula One is maybe a little less relevant, but yet we're still so enamored by this. Are we at the peak of Formula One? Yeah. And does it only go downhill or does it continue so. to go uphill? That was my second prediction for this year. I think it's going to plateau. I think it's going to... In terms of, of viewership, of, of viewership. Okay. I don't think, I think it... <sighs> Night. Well, this that's the end for us then. So, <laughs> that, <laughs> Thank and you. And, and look, we're good already. Night. We're, <laughs> we're, that's it. We need to find new careers. We'll, we'll pivot again. Um, which I just, the imagery of, I just had the imagery of, of friends with the sofa. Pivot, pivot, pivot. <laughs> um, I. I don't, again, gut feeling, I'm looking at a little bit of the trends and the stats and the numbers, but there's a gut feeling in me that says this isn't going upwards there mm -hmm. because I don't think they've gone about it the right way. And I think they're now, they're now chasing something that they should have really done three, four years ago. Um, do you think there's anything they can do now? There's so much, but it should have been done three, four I years see. ago. Such as? Um, <sighs> 
figuring out different revenue streams so that the tickets are not as expensive as they are, realizing, like truly honing in on the fact that, I don't know what the exact number is, but let's say it's 90 plus percent of F1 fans is, are never going to attend a race in their life mm -hmm. because they can't afford to, mm -hmm. they don't live next to it, it's, they can't figure out the travel, there's a myriad of reasons why they don't. And you need to, like, you need to really stare at that number and go, 90 plus percent of our fans yeah. will never experience. So great, we've got F1 TV, but then that means for me, yeah. all of the digital content should be way better. Mm -hmm. Where are the talk shows? Where's the really cool mm -hmm. stuff on Twitch, on YouTube, you name it, that actually brings the fan. And again, this is mm. what a lot of the creators have done. Um, so I yes. think there's the whole digital component and how you bring people together. There's the whole dual screen, uh, dual screen, sorry, experience. Like I think the latest numbers from, from YouTube is something like 39% of mm. fans right now. Actually, 40% of fans don't what. 40% of fans watch non-live content, which I think I is see. really interesting. I so see. they're not actually tuning in to watch it. They'll stream the event afterwards. Um, they want to watch the highlights. They want to watch a, you know, Going Purple podcast. They, you know, they want all of that other right. stuff that's not, you know, but it, because we want something different, okay. they want to tune in to you. And then there's, I think it's then 35% of people have a dual screen. So they're watching the race and they're doing something else. What is that something else? And why is F1 yeah. not tapping into yeah, that? Yeah. Why is, is it F1 TV? Is F1 TV good enough? Why aren't there I like I think games? it's chatting live with there other people. It's yeah. chatting in my comments. It's chatting yeah. in your comments. Yeah. It's chatting on Twitch, you know. Yeah. It's wanting to discuss with like, other F1 the, fans you know, globally. Chat with Martin Brundle and Crofty and, you know, they've already got a big job on the race day, so I'm not saying... Mm -hmm. But, like, where's... Because when you look on Twitch, that's what's happening. Yeah. It's all of these watch-alongs and people are joining exactly to your point for the community. They're like, I'm <sighs> go, I'm watching this alone, which is, I think, also the biggest misconception that a lot of people have of, oh, Drive to Survive, all of these new fans came. Actually, 50% of those fans were already there, but yeah. no one was paying attention to them. Yeah. They were going at it alone. Nothing was catered to them. So mm -hmm. they kind of... We all came out of the woodworks going, wait, there's more people who want to do this and they, you want to enjoy it the same way I do great mm -hmm. let's build community you're right catering to these fans engaging these fans and and I almost say I think I said this to you in Mexico is is this exclusive yeah. untouchable kind of you know output that F1 has in a way is that really bringing people in or is that only going to last for so long and what are we going to see in the next few years so I think you you raise fantastic points and it's a hard one though it like, is hard it one. is like truly where this goes from here and 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 I don't know I it's the one thing I want to spend I think the rest of this year is like how do we make Formula One Formula E sorry really exciting how mm. do we make it that some people are just like you know what and for what it's worth Lizzie, I don't know if you've seen this as well but with all of the Formula One content creators who've been completely ignored or Formula One hasn't paid attention to them they've started going to NASCAR they've started going to Indy they've started going to Formula really E to because they're like you know you, you don't I do you really do I really do why? It's on the bucket list. Why? I'm just intrigued by You're it. You're just intrigued. That's the thing for me. Yeah. Is like same curiosity. With formally, my approach was let's learn about it yeah. together, because something I just, new and different. I, exactly that. And and it's I love that. from what I've heard, you know, talking to a few indie car drivers, they're just like it's so different. You know, we can say what we like. Yeah. You know, we're of course they're all media trained, but yeah. you know, the barriers are a little bit less strict, and it's yeah. and I'm just intrigued by what happens on a indie car weekend. Bring up something interesting. I think this is one of the reasons why Drive to Survive did as well as it did is mm -hmm. because everything was so calculated mm -hmm. and so clinical in Formula One and so protected. Mm -hmm. Whereas in all the other sports, it's the complete opposite. So I do often wonder if we had is the access that Drive to Survive gives because yeah. to our point earlier about viewership numbers Formula E has a Drive to Survive yeah. it's called Unplugged yeah. but I think the access in Formula E is already incredible yeah. so it's kind of Unplugged is just an extension it's of that whereas sense. Drive to Survive is Oh, you know, we look at moments like this and ask going to be spoken yeah. about and drive to fight. Because we, we can't talk about it. Also, we didn't know who these drivers were. Exactly. And also, you know, yeah. from a presenter point of view, there are things that you should and shouldn't be yeah. asking, really, to yeah. be honest, over a race weekend, which is totally fair enough. But Drive to Survive has that access, right? And that's why I think it continues to be such a hit success for many other reasons yeah. as well. But, you know, the access is one of them. And to your point about more creators coming in and, and teams working with creators in different ways, how have you seen your content evolve? And I know you've spoken to me about access being one of the main ways it's changed in the last year, yeah. but how do you, do you, are you finding it hard to stay on top of new ideas? And you know, when a lot of people now are creating yeah. similar things. Yeah. I, um, I made a very, it's weird when you, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but when you come up with an idea for a new series mm. or a new content series and you put it out in the world and it does really well, mm. um, and then it gets replicated or, or copied in certain ways or inspired from, who, who cares? 
I get a fee. I've started to be get very comfortable of you know what I'm going to drop a very popular series of mine mm -hmm. only because it's been replicated ten times over and I'm bored to see it and I'm actually bored to do it myself and yeah. that probably comes across. Yeah. I used to do like ten facts you need to know about a race and yeah. people loved it, but the problem is and again there's nothing wrong with this. What I'm realizing is with all of the new content creators coming in, the thing that I think about now is what do they all have access to? They all have access to the internet. Mm -hmm. They can all do the same research mm -hmm. that I can. And so I'm now what I'm thinking is what is the thing that I can have access to mm -hmm. that they don't? Mm -hmm. Which is why I was very, very grateful to have the access with Aston Martin or other teams and in Formula E with, with McLaren and Diaz Penske. And, and that's the thing. And again, it's access. not a pay to play, but let's figure out how you can give me access and trust me that I have stories that mm -hmm. I can tell as a result of that because I'm also looking at it for a very different lens. And interviews with people, like you, yeah. like all of that. And so that's how my content has evolved in that I'm no longer doing, I never really did the, like, the breaking news and reading, mm. you know, uh, uh, the title of an article. I do some of that. But then that, the thing that I can offer is my years of experience working in tech and politics, yeah. and I can bring that to the mix. Or then it's like all the content that I create on site because of a team's access. Yeah. And then there's the Twitch streams, which is basically that community with people, but it's the, it's a back and forth conversation yeah. that I have. No, you're right. I think the access is is very important because, you know, being in the paddock, I think we were, we've been in one paddock together this yeah. last year, Austin. Yes. And there are, you know, the paddock is so not like TikTok, <laughs> obviously, yeah. you know. And for me, I bring what I am online into my job as, yeah. as an F1 TV presenter, which is being, you know, that, that I'm the youngest one there. And, you know, it's that kind of, bringing in those questions that maybe other people wouldn't ask or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like that kind of energy. Um, and that's really cool to be able to bring that in and then to feed that back to your audience. For me, that's one of the coolest things as well to show the behind the scenes, to get all these insights from people. Um, and it's something you've done incredibly well. I've, I, it's been fascinating you. watching just like, you're not pretending you are someone you're not no. you didn't you know you didn't get the job with f1 tv and go oh okay now i need to be a serious presenter this is what it looks you know hey, i'm a really serious presenter <laughs> no no you are babe. <laughs> you kidding, are but you also bring who you are to that which i yeah. love because look i i remember getting my first job and going okay now i'm a grown-up put on the suit really? put on the heels go to work be very serious leave your fun at that and i generally did that and to the point where in, in my second job people thought i was 15 years older than I was really yeah um because I just wouldn't go out with the young people in the pub like I work and I just because I, I something clicked to me I was like oh and it was stupid because I was pretending to be mm. not purposefully but I think pretending to be someone I wasn't which was a 30 year old yeah. woman when and I was 20 and I was like why am I why am I doing this and now your brand your job is it's to be yourself exactly be yourself but which is you, scary by the way well i was going to ask do you find it scary or how do you feel about the fact that you actually have a platform now tony with a lot of people does it ever cross your mind do you ever feel pressure to say certain things or you know how do you feel having a big platform First of all, it's interesting because I don't actually consider my platform to be very big. It's very weird. But I think I need to continuously tell myself that, that I'm just like, I'm just creating content for strangers on the internet. Yeah. It's for people who tune in. <laughs> uh, it's the only way I can get through the day. Um, the thing that keeps me awake at night is less about what I should and shouldn't say. It's more about the responsibility. Yeah. It's more about I feel like... And I and I think especially we're hard on women. We're so hard. On, mm -hmm. I always have to give context to, and I forget. And because I'm on, because I spend six, seven hours, sometimes eight hours on on Twitch a week doing big deep dives. Mm -hmm. And because I talked with so many people, that's the thing that most people don't see is mm -hmm. I do the TikToks, but most days are jam packed. Oh, really? with, yeah, ja I'm on calls nearly all day every day, except for the two days where I live stream. And, mm. and so I have conversations all the time. The mm. one thing I do not have is a memory. I am, l whatever that um, little friend, was, the fish friend in, what's the? Nemo. In Nemo, you see, I can't even remember. Dory. I, Dory, there you go. I, <laughs> see, that, I can't even remember the name of the bloody <laughs> film or the fish. I am, I, I forget, it like goes and goes out. It's why I take, it's the one reason why I'm a great note taker is because I've ever, for the life of, that was my lifeline. I had mm. to take a bunch of notes. But so I forget that things that I think I've explained time and time again, or that people know my context or know where I come from, mm -hmm. that sometimes when I put something out of the internet, people will either misjudge it, take it out of context, take it and say something or run with it. And I'm like, 
No, anyone who knows me knows exactly what I meant with that comment. But is but it my responsibility? No, it's not even kind or, or kind mean. enough or patient enough to. Patience. Patience and the realization yeah. of did you do your bare minimum of digging yeah. to understand who's saying this? When mm -hmm. pe you know, I have it when people get angry because I say Renault and not Renault, and I'm like, I'm French, and they're like, No, you're not French. I'm like, Born in France, mm -hmm. bilingual, mm -hmm. French is my first language. Did mm -hmm. all my education in yeah. French until the end of 21. I consider myself French yeah. is my language. But you don't have to even explain it. I don't, but I do think this is what I always talk about: is the importance of context, mm -hmm. and and I, I do it when we read taglines and we read really nasty stuff about the drivers mm. whatever it is and I go there's a reason why that's a clickbait title yeah. there's a yeah, reason yeah. behind that there's there's a reason that this company the way they're making money right now is clicks and ad yeah. revenue and so they need eyeballs and so you get that but I think that's what scares me more is that responsibility but also I find it really exhausting of yeah. sometimes and this is where I've learned of just like look there are people out there who will always try and twist everything that you try mm -hmm. and say there are people out there who come at it with the sole lens of she doesn't mean well and she isn't a good human yeah. and she doesn't want to do good in the world great i i can do nothing for you there mm -hmm. i if that is your perception as long of as me you know your truth my truth but also the people who hang out with me on a twitch stream yeah. for four hours yeah. and my, one of my best friends always says this to me is like are you sure the internet is the right place to have thoughtful conversations and exchanges and discussions the answer is probably not but it's the one thing that made me fall in love with the internet mm. is this capacity of bringing people together from all walks of life mm. and every time I tune in, I learn something new. Mm -hmm. like, well, speaking of context. I know, where are you going with this? <laughs> the Lando ah, Instagram story. Yes. How are we feeling about it now, looking back? The same I felt when I posted. So it's interesting that it's been coined the so, Lando. Yeah. yeah, well, that's my coin. Yeah. So for some context, Lando, I actually, you can set this fact straight here. Yeah. I think it was um, Clement Novelak. Yes. Posted a picture. Yes. Of a group of guys and they were filming for a quadrant video. Lando is in the picture and it said something like, great filming day, can't yeah. wait for the video to be out. Yeah. And you put up a story, which I'm going to read just in case great. anyone hasn't. Rejog my memory. I haven't looked hasn't, at it since. Hasn't um, seen it. So it says, so you've put the picture up. Thank you for the visual, visual cue, babes. <laughs> I worry sometimes for the men who seem to have no women in their lives other than family members or significant others. How do you bring together so many people and not a single one is a woman? This message send, the message this sends is brutal and so archaic. Talk me through wow. why you put up the Lando Instagram story. So I think there's context. Mm -hmm. um, the biggest thing I misjudged here, mm -hmm. and look, people who won't want to believe me will not believe me on mm -hmm. this. Didn't bloody know Lando was in the picture. <laughs> how am he's, I supposed to know? He's wearing a Mario costume. Yeah. How am I supposed to know <laughs> that the guy dressed up as Mario is? Because again, the way I consume content, mm -hmm. I don't consume driver content. Okay. That's not my lens in Formula One. Okay. I wake up, I Google Formula One, and I do traditional media, mm -hmm. non-sports traditional media. I do The Guardian, BBC, The Economist, Bloomberg. I go through my, put that aside. Then I do motorsports. Mm -hmm the race, autosports, motorsport, I go for the list. That's my consumption. Okay. I try and avoid consuming TikTok content okay. because then I spiral and I go, oh my God, someone's already created that video. Okay. That's really clever. I wish I'd done that. And I, I can't okay. do that. I'm very rarely on Twitter though. I'm trying to spend more time there. But I also, most of my day is spent working in tech. Mm. So I am not... I do my best to stay on top of all the things, but the things that I'm interested in is like, how much money is the Vegas GP expecting mm -hmm, to do? And mm -hmm. let's talk about Mohammed bin Sulaim yeah. and politics. I don't care, truly, I don't care about driver content. Okay. Doesn't mean that it's bad, doesn't mean it's good. It's just not my jam. So I, I follow a few drivers. I can even tell you which ones I follow, which ones I don't. So that was the first thing. Follow up on yeah. that quickly. Yeah. Would it have changed your mind if you had no Lando was in the picture? Yes, okay. and this is important. Okay. And it's not a good reason. Okay. Because what good. happened four hours later is that I started getting text messages going, oh, babes, you've really gone and done it now. Really? Yeah, you've really pissed off the wrong crew. Um, be careful. I was, I, immediately after, I was like, do you have two, fa I, this was the questions I was told. Do you have two-factor authentication? Do you have a, a, a white message? Are you ready to screenshot? Do you have someone who can read them? And I was like, what are you, generally, what are you talking about? And they were saying, yeah, do you never go after Lando? And I was like, I didn't go after Lando. What, what are you talking about? And they went, your post. And I was like, yeah, 
it was 15 dudes, which I don't, couldn't name one of them. Thank you, it was Clem on I And that's bad because for someone who always preaches, this is why it's embarrassing. Because for someone who always talks about context, context you didn't research, I didn't fucking do it. And I when see. I, you reread that message, it was like, oh, I was pissed. That was, yes. and it wasn't a knee-jerk reaction. I very, I sometimes said, and I was like, no, I actually want to say something because I am pissed. Okay. I'm so sick and fucking tired mm -hmm. of seeing that stuff mm -hmm. every single day. But we'll come back to that in a second. So yeah, for all of the wrong reasons, because I, I think that is internet cyberbullying at its best, mm -hmm. for all of the wrong reasons, had I have seen Lando, I would have gone, not I even see. fucking I touching see. that with a 10-stick pole. Okay. I am staying away from that. Okay. I will find another way to get my message across, which generally ends up being, I'll talk about it on my live stream. I see. So it's, and it I, see. I love that you asked that, because I, and I don't like admitting that, but I do think I wouldn't have touched it, because I cannot handle this shit on the internet. I think it's tough because this story that you put up was about your feelings, right? Yeah. And so to you, it was a personal... I also did not mention Lando. Yeah, didn't mention Quadrant. Interesting. So this is where I'm like, oh, you are projecting. Interesting. You are Because, by the way, and this is where I start reading and getting, I'm mm. just like, this, this is why I'm very relaxed about it because mm. it actually has yeah. nothing to do with me. Yeah. It, you yeah. are projecting on me what you feel. You've, you've, I saw someone say the hate attack. What word did I use there was helpful? The messages, the DMs that I got, those were vile and disgusting and yeah. feral. Yeah. And those are the only terms I can describe what I experienced. Yeah. And those people have their names in the messages they send you. All of them. Assuming. Some of them I noticed, I'm like, oh, you work for some of the promoters? That's interesting. <laughs> and I read three and I was out. And that's my back. I don't have that backbone. Yeah. And when yeah, people yeah, say yeah. grow thicker skin to that, I say F off. Yeah. Because no one should have to deal I, with that. I so I, the irony of like the hate attack, I was like, first of all, what define hate and define attack. I can tell you what I did was not that. I spoke my mind. I also made it about me. And here's the thing that scares me. I have had to work with grown men who clearly have never been surrounded by women. And they are not nice human beings to have to deal with. And they will always say they love women, but they don't. They respect the women who are their mothers, or who are their wives, or who are in service of them. They do not respect women as their equals. They sure shit will not answer to a female boss. They sure shit won't do what a woman tells them to do. They sure won't come to the table. And the irony that this comes two weeks after Mohammed bin Salem got court saying something that is important 20 years ago, but he was still 40 at the time, where he built a personal website and thought it was important on his personal website to note two things about me. I don't like discussing money and I don't like discussing with women who think that they are smarter than men because let's be real, they never are. Your personal website, that was the prompt you decided to put out in the air. That, that is the men who grew up not surrounded by women. So that's what, that was my um, knee-jerk and emotional reaction to that is, oh my God, I am, yes, I am absolutely petrified. And I don't know, in that picture, I just have a visual of, I clicked on two names that were on the side that okay. I had no idea who, I opened up their profile pictures and it was just men. It was as if the women, someone had gone and erased women in the world. All of their pictures, not a, not a single woman. So I don't give a shit if there was one woman there. That doesn't invalidate there. Great, I'm glad there was. One woman is not enough. Just like having one black man on the grid is not enough. We should be embarrassed. And every time you have one woman in the room, there's a, you have one the moment she leaves, and she will leave because it is exhausting being what Shonda Rhimes calls the FOD, the first, the only, and different. It's exhausting. Yes. Because, you know, Lewis Hamilton has to represent all black men, which is not fair. I agree. And I, I wonder, well, two things. Yeah. Why is that? was there... a lot. Clearly, I was heated. No, but... <laughs> and I'm glad that you shared your point of view because I, you know, a lot of people wouldn't want to have given you the the time to even listen to what you're yeah. saying. And, I you appreciate and that's not me saying, oh, I'm giving no, you... No, 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 but I'm you, glad but you, that you, you shared are. your But here's also what's interesting, is the bubbles that we live in. So I have spoken with people who have like, no, no idea what went down and couldn't care less. And I'm okay. great. And then I have people who saw it. For, if you read certain articles, mm. you would say, oh my God, everyone was against her. Everyone believes this was a vile attack. That's not true. Which you is not... The it's not true, but again, and for all of my initial DMs for the first four hours until it was, it was a, it was definitely a planned attack because they all ah. arrived within the same hour. They all had the <laughs> same messaging and I was sent they were visuals of first. some of the group chats that were talking <gasps> about me getting ready for this. So again, if you're putting shit on the internet, it gets screenshot and shared, which I could, I have no desire to start that. But again, this is what all of my messages were and all people in the industry, 
thank you so much. We need to speak up about this. This is a big problem. Yeah. And I was like, that's the only thing that I care about. It's not that I'm ignoring. It's if it was a if I had generally done something wrong, mm -hmm. I would be willing to sit at the table. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't a vile attack. Didn't mention Lando. Yeah. Didn't mention Quadra. The biggest mistake I did do was a not doing my research and realizing because I yeah. probably wouldn't have touched it and I would have waited a few weeks. Mm -hmm. um, or and I wouldn't have taken the, that picture. I would have done it a different way. Um, but the other thing that I find ironic is when we had the picture. What was it? All of the FIA gala and it was yeah. all white yeah. men. People got annoyed, but there wasn't that same vitriol. So it's actually about protecting Lando more than it is about representation. And that's the other piece that worries me is why are we getting so angry at protecting someone who actually don't believe needs protecting? Don't get me wrong. I think the drivers get way too much hate on the Internet and I don't envy a yes. single day of their yes. lives. It is brutal. It is mm -hmm. hard. But bring bring that energy. Mm. When we see a picture of 30, 40 FIA people and there's two women, where was very interesting point? Very because interesting we point. hold these people to levels where they can do no harm. And I think that's dangerous for everyone because you know what? The second thing that happens that we put people on pedestals. We love that in America. We love it. We put so that we can tear them down. The moment they do a full pair, the moment they do something bad, we want to yank them down. And I know that there were people who said, well, isn't that what you do? No, because I generally didn't know it was Lando and it yeah. wasn't about Lando. That could have been another group of people who had nothing you to do. You would have said the same I would have said exactly. And, I, and, I ha and that's the thing. People who don't know me will not know that that is a stream of thought yeah. and consciousness that yeah. I've brought to the table every single day. And there are definitely days where I go, I am so done. Yeah. I just want to talk about cute nails and cute dogs and cute drivers driving around the track. And that's I, because you are you, and that's what you bring every single day in your content, that. in your opinions. And to everything that we've discussed, that's the unique, that's the beauty of creators. Yeah. There's not better or worse, it's like, you look at it and go, oh, I love her, him, mm. she's amazing, they're amazing, okay, cool. That's, those are the people I wanna get, F1 mm -hmm. content, which I think is amazing. Yeah. And, it, and again, if you don't like it, just scroll past it. Just scroll, just. It's just, just your thumb. Just One it, what, action that wasn't actually for you. You're not the target audience, <laughs> and that's totally okay. Wow. And the reason I bring that up is because I, I do, I hate people who attack drivers on the internet. I'm the first person yeah. to come out of the woodworks and go, oh, Because can my we problem stop? with it is we really, and I, I mean, okay, I'm going to bring up just to end with yeah. Harry and Meghan. I oh, disagree with, I don't believe that even if you're a public figure, you are subject to the, yeah. the just bullying it's that vile. people get online. And what it does to but your mental health. I've, I've forgotten what I was going to say. But we know, but, yeah, and, and the reason for that is we really know nothing. We mm -hmm. see five, I see 15 seconds of your day, Tony, in your hotel room bathroom talking yeah. about something, yeah. talking about how a launch was, talking about an yeah. opinion on something. I don't think that's yeah. justified to then get so personally attacking with someone yeah. that you don't know. Yeah. And on that note, folks... <laughs> Um, but no, but I, I actually I think that's a really important note is you we truly don't know what anyone is going through. And, and my God, again, as a woman, we have so many the amount of people like, oh, my God, when are you going to have a kid? When are you going to have a baby? I'm like, really? what if I'd been trying for five yeah. years to have a kid? Yeah. And this and I'm not saying this is true. But okay. what if that was my okay, okay. deepest, darkest desire in mm. life? Not darkest, but and my you deepest. And you on the fly. And, you're, and I've been trying and I'm spending my nights at home crying. Mm. There are so many women, but it has become such a normal thing and an mm. expectation that women should be given birth by the age of 30 or something mm. and that there's a problem. But sorry, my sexual life or yeah. desire to have a family shouldn't be small talk at a coffee shop. I agree. And that's why I And when did think, that happen? You yeah. know, there are 20 drivers on the grid. They are literally 20 of the most normal guys yeah. I've ever met. Do you know what I mean? And that's it. That's what they want to be. And so that's why I just think everyone can just be a little bit yeah. kinder to each other yeah. well Tony oh, it's been a pleasure you. to have you thank you so well, much thank for you coming for, on thank sharing you for having your me. thoughts your opinions sharing different viewpoints and um, I am expecting a huge if you actually a quick question we yeah. actually really didn't talk about I, I could talk to you for another two hours yeah we could definitely we're going to have to do another podcast we're going to cancel all the rest um, of the plans <laughs> quick thing from me who do we think is going to be world champion Please. I, I don't do just predictions though. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say Yuki. Um no. I <laughs> just I'm out just there. gonna say Yuki. Yuki. Um I don't do predictions because I'm biased as hell because yeah. I know I want Lewis okay. to win another okay. championship. Okay. Whether I am not looking at any of the, I'm not looking at the breakdown of the car. I'm, I mean, yeah, I just yeah, think yeah. Lewis. Okay. I just want Lewis. Yeah, I how also funny. Want We've just had an entire hour and a half podcast about F1. And we didn't talk about the drivers. And we so. haven't talked about F1 once. No. no. 
because it's so because much there's so more. much more to it now there's like a whole ecosystem of formula one which yes and it's what you bring to it as well. Like, but it's interesting because I could now sit down with you for an hour and talk to you and about... And actually talk about racing. The, the technical regulations for the year. Yeah. Maybe we should do a part two soon. Maybe once we've got the cars out on track, mid-season, let's sit down again and let's talk cars out on track. Let's talk tech. Let's talk tech. Let's talk tech. Thank you so much, Tony. Thank I appreciate you. it. And thank you guys for listening. If you have enjoyed this episode, then please follow me on TikTok, on Instagram, and you can rate the podcast for five stars as well. Exactly that. And we will catch you. Well, I will catch you very, very soon. We're saying goodbye to Tony. She's leaving London on Friday. Um, but I will catch up with you all very soon, tell you all my plans for the season, etc. <laughs> and yes, thank you so much, guys. And I will see you very soon. Bye.